Hi everyone, this is Braden. I'm so happy to welcome you to today's episode. I just want to note that partway through, there were some minor technical difficulties. There's a little bit of crackling with the guest's mic that um, sent him in and out for a little bit, but I promise you it will not last very long, so I hope you can stick with it. Thank you so much. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Parent Teacher Conference podcast, Conversations on Raising Adults and Teens. I'm your host, Braden Bell, and I'm delighted to be here today with Dr. James DeVivo. Dr. DeVivo is a creative arts leader with over 25 years experience in theater education, specializing in new play development, theater history, and playwriting programs for youth. He is dedicated to the roles of education programming and audience development and artistic programming in the classroom. Jim is the 7th through 12th grade theater teacher for Holmdel Township Schools, an adjunct professor in the program in educational theater at NYU, and a member of the New Jersey Thespians State Board of Directors, where he coordinates the annual New Jersey Thespian Playworks program. Jim has a long list of teaching credits at the college level and is very active in his field with published pieces in leading journals. He is also the author of the excellent Substack newsletter, The Young Artist's Guide. Jim holds PhD and MA degrees in educational theater from NYU and graduated magna cum laude with university honors from Niagara University with a dual major BFA in theater and English. He's married to Bridget DeVivo, director of the award-winning drama program at Oak Hill Academy. Together, they direct a troupe of three children and one pug. Jim <laughs> is a thoughtful, compassionate teacher and incisive thinker. He's a passionate advocate for teens as people with thoughts, ideas, and dreams of their own. Indeed, Jim takes teens as seriously as anyone I have ever known. He thinks deeply about ways to help not only his own students, but young people everywhere, and connects education and the arts to real empowerment. The question, how can we help kids, lies at the hearts of all Jim does. It is something he asks constantly in any and every context. Jim is also a dear and longtime friend of mine, Dr. James DeVivo, welcome to the Parent Teacher Podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. Braden Bell. It's great to uh, great to be here with you, to, to see you again, and to talk to you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I won't uh, I won't bore our listeners with too much uh, looking back, but Jim and I met uh, well almost roughly about this time of year. Um, yeah, uh, a long time ago, in 1999, uh, when we both showed up wow. as new students at NYU, <laughs> and in the years um, we were there, we we're both poor college students. And I remember we found solace in the second floor of McDonald's on <laughs> Broadway, where I think we could buy really cheap hamburgers and sometimes even French fries if we were lucky. <laughs> that's right. If we were lucky, that's right. You know what? Um, when I uh, defended the dissertation, um, that was the first, that's where I went. Was to did that you McDonald's. really? I, I did. Yeah. I felt like I, I would, I was starving and I felt like that was the appropriate place to go. Oh, Jim, I wish I would have known. I would have, would have shown up. That was, uh, that was... <laughs> you were there in spirit. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, it's great to see you, my friend. Um, you too. 
tell us a little bit about what you do, Jim. You do so much, but will you talk about your daily work? And then I know we have a couple topics we talked about, but I want everyone to get a sense of you. Yeah, um, well, I, I am a, a, a theater teacher for middle school and high school. Um, this will be my seventh year in the classroom, seventh consecutive year in the classroom. Um, I actually did a, a year uh, between the two stints in graduate school, um, teaching high school in Maryland. Um, between those uh, classroom stints, uh, I worked with a theater company in the education department, um, which is where I started doing a lot of that work with young playwrights. Uh, the uh, The company I was at was a new play development theater. Um, their education office did a lot of work uh, devising pieces with kids or teaching acting classes or uh, mostly doing um, writing, uh, literary and performing arts workshops in schools across the state, uh, but also had this New Jersey Young Playwrights Festival, which at the time had about I don't know, 700 uh, submissions uh, that year. And it was a beast of a program that nobody wanted to. And so as the new young guy coming in, uh, was kind of handed, you know, the a good 300 of them and said, you know, these need to be finished and mailed back. Um, I fell in love with it. It was great. Uh, it was just, it was you know fascinating to, to, uh, to see the stories and, um, you know, get the, uh, get inside kids' minds, you know, to, to, to when they're writing, they're, they're sharing, so much uh of, of who they are and what they're thinking and um I, you know i don't think we often get to experience that even in a classroom working with kids so closely um i think we, we, one of the things that i've enjoyed over the last few years being in middle school and high school is that i now have students who are graduating this year who i started working with when they were in eighth grade and then next year i'll have been with students for a full six years so um you know, I know a lot of us when we get the chance to work with students consecutively, you know, over time, you get to know, you know the person and watch their development. And it's it's kind of like having your own children and seeing that. But um, it's it's uh, it's really the first time I'm experiencing that with these students, and it's it's been great to get into that, uh, you know, to, to into into all their their mindset and their development, and everything else. And I'm glad too that you know, one of the things you said that I really thank you for uh, was uh, that idea of taking them seriously. <clears throat> excuse me, taking them seriously. Um, something I found through all the research was a phrase that kept coming up um, that uh, the students who were involved in arts programs really felt um, most empowered or most seen um, when uh, a, you know, a couple of them said specifically, I just was so in awe that professional adult actors were taking what I had to say and what I had done so seriously that they were willing to put it on stage. So I try to bring a lot of that to the classroom. You know, it's I, I think uh, you know some of what I do feels very traditional, with, you know, the air quotes around it, um, but also trying to bring some of that uh, aspect into it as well. So, just so you all know, listeners, this is not going to be um, the next thirty minutes of us just swapping theater stories. Although I won't promise that none of that will happen, but. Um, <laughs> The reason I, I wanted Jim on the podcast is he's alluded to some of that is, first of all, he is a unique, he has a unique view. Very few educators work with children from grades seven through 12. So he actually has a front seat in these very incredibly important developmental years. And he has kind of a unique view, therefore, uh, as he watches them grow. But also he, you, you heard him mention that because he was, um, reading all these submissions for the Young Playwrights Program, um, 700, I think you said, Jim, he yep. was able to start really getting in the head 
of teenagers. And so if you think about, yeah, if you read 700 literary works a year by teenagers, that's definitely <laughs> going to give you some insight and some teenagers. And so definitely. leaving the theatrical piece behind, um, I have just found that Jim is is a very um, well-informed uh thinker and advocate for youth and how we help them and take them seriously. Um, now, Jim and I were talking via email the other day, and this is a conversation that has happened a lot of times. I think every teacher I know has the same conversation multiple times, and that is talking about COVID and mm -hmm. what the learning loss was. What, what did we lose during those years? There's been some publicity lately. Um, we, we've heard about the statistics and the scores, the math and the reading scores, and some of these things were bad, but actually it was worse than we thought. And in no way do I want to minimize those. But um, Jim and I were talking about how there's other things, other forms of loss that we encountered during those COVID years, other learning that didn't happen. And so I, I asked him to come on and to talk about the little bit as we try to help parents understand perhaps what some of this loss was, and then we can hopefully find ways to help kids catch up. So why don't you share your your thought with the audience, Jim? Uh, and with COVID in particular, I felt like, well, we, we know it's going to be bad. I mean, it was, no one was in a, a, a you know, everyone was in a, a certain kind of setting uh, for or, or a ritual for learning that they were familiar with and suddenly were taking out of it for a long period of time um, with so much uncertainty. But then also, as you've alluded to, you know, I, I do kind of get a little tuned in to more to who the student is rather than who they are as a, a scholar or an academic. And um, yeah, I've noticed too, and I, I think this goes across disciplines, that when kids came back, what they really were, were losing or missing was um, the uh, familiarity with school or even knowing how to be in school. Um, seventh grade was really interesting for that um, because it was so different from what uh, our students had experienced in fifth and sixth grade and our we we have a split between buildings at that point so you're talking about taking someone who had been in fifth grade 10 years old and in fifth grade was just getting used to how things work in that building with that particular group of people sixth grade was done at home where who knows what you know what the experience was and now they're walking into a totally new school two years older, you know, a couple years later, it's middle school, which also has its, its own idiosyncrasies. Um, I just, I think, I think what got lost was the sense of how do, how do we do school or who am I, or how do I talk to this person um, who's next to me? And, and I've, I've seen a lot of that uh, in the classroom that the, it's, it's been trying to um, teach kids how to school or how to have a conversation or um, you know, be aware of the fact that they're not at home uh, behind a, a screen with their camera off and Minecraft next to them, perhaps. I don't know. I know that happened a lot from what some kids have told me, you know, but um, and I, 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 I don't we can get into all the like Maslow and, you know, whatever else. But I think if that part of a, a person, it has been missing for a year or they haven't been able to develop that way i don't know how much learning you're really gonna you know get to to cover um but and i feel like people have talked about that a little bit i don't know i i always keep hearing the learning loss and the scores and everything else so I, I don't really know i don't know what's going on with that um 
but but that's the, I think and I've noticed that across the board. And I've noticed with colleagues too, and you know other teachers I've talked with in other places of the country, um, kind of catching on to the same thing that you know the kids kids may not be all right, or they they may still be recovering, um, and and maybe we need to do a little bit more with that before we get into the subject matter. I love that, and I think that's an important key. We we have taken very complex things, um, personality, social interaction. Um, someone's development is their cognitive development, their emotional development, all these really important things. But these are all kind of under the hood, if you mm -hmm. will, in the school day. But we, we shut them off immediately. And then we, you know, had essentially nothing happening with these, these, uh, I, I hate the word softer skills, but these kind of personal development milestones, but this is part of what happens in school, that this is part of what right. schools do. We kind of take for granted because this sort of thing is what is going to allow the academics to take place, that this is one of the foundations. So we we shut this off immediately and then we we went back, which was good. And and again, I mean, we're not second guessing the fact we it was what it was. The decisions were made for right. reasons at the time, and you know, we 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 are not trying to relitigate all that. But the problem, I think, what you're saying is we jumped back and we started again, and we started picking up. We could check where our curriculum maps were, and we could test for this or that. But we missed a big part of it which is the student's souls, their development, yes, their emotional well-being, their emotional maturity, and that that's the part we really haven't started to reckon with or even think about yet. Yeah. Hey, you know, I was talking to you about the specific example with my schools, and then it's a building switch. You're in a, I believe you're in a school where it is a young, there's a younger grade level through eighth grade. Is that right? Right. It's it so, like pre-K through eight. Yeah. Yeah. So did you see something similar with that? Or was there maybe a little bit, uh, was it a little bit, e I don't know if anything was easy. I, I don't like using that word, but we're going to use it. it. Was it easier for some of your students maybe to make the transition just because they were used to the school and things like that? You know, I think, I think perhaps, I think some of the transition, but I have noticed that there were certain, and this is so difficult to discuss because it's, it's not easily measurable. Um, but I have noticed that over the years, for example, and I'm, I'm going to use a theater program just as an example, but I think this is applicable in other areas as well. It's just what I happen to know. But there were there were cultural things. What uh, You'd have new students join the program and they learned things from watching the older students. And there was mm. a, a great deal of transmitted knowledge that was never spoken. Um, okay things that was were passed down from one student to another there were you know the just all this kind of informal learning and i always sort of assumed that was happening but once we restarted after the pandemic that was essentially wiped out um we we'd had this you know this sort of these years of of institutional knowledge that one student passed to another that had really kind of just been uh, blanked out because of the the length of the pandemic. And so um, we didn't have the overlap we normally do. So I have noticed just the the gap, the lag in training, you know, one stage manager training another stage manager, for example, one, sure. uh, you know, watching, uh, uh, you know, an actor learn how, uh, how, how to 
you know, what they do, not only on stage, but off stage, the, the way that they lead a cast. These are really intangible things, but they're really critical. I'm assuming, though, the same thing is happening in other disciplines. I'm assuming the same thing is probably happening in sports or in uh, student government. I, I don't know, but I I've and I hear conversations that make me think that that probably has happened, but that we it's just been either not a priority or again, because it's a little hard to quantify. It's, it's also hard to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We um, just, again, thinking after school theater program, I have a lot of similarities with ours too, that we had a, a very big gap um, and not being able to, to perform um, and uh, losing some of that, that tradition. What was, what was, beneficial though and, and it just you know in my case is that I was taking over the after school program from someone else um when I was just getting started so I only had the, I was doing the musical the first year um and then we had the year of kind of a little bit of chaos and it helped the transition a little bit so you know a little bit of a of a silver lining to that um one thing too that was you know interesting and I think has helped me to work with this particular group of students um was that our opening night for the musical was the day that the school shut down I remember um, yeah so they uh you know we we a couple a lot of kids had left um had a phone call from the superintendent half an hour before the end of the school day I had to call everybody back in and tell them hey there's no show um and uh you know at that time I think everyone was saying well we'll see you in two weeks um but the added sort of the added uh, uh a bit to it was that we had to ship everything back we had a, a backdrop and costumes that had to go back to the the vendor um and uh you know what i saw in that moment was uh students who were able to uh not only feel that emotion of loss and sadness and confusion but then uh, they we packed everything up and got it out in 30 minutes um and they were always uh you know very uh, committed to helping one another and to doing whatever they could to keep the thing going um you know the, the program meant a lot and they, they really carried a lot of that weight on their shoulders so that and that was nice for me to see because i knew then when we come back you know i can we can we can use that and we can we can build off of that let's talk for a minute let's let's segue to the value of arts mm -hmm. for a moment but yes parents if you're listening to this 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 vague idea of of um, losses from covid that is not easily tracked um that is not easily um seen um and not easily measured but these sort of um the quieter things the the social engagement the um you know, developmental milestones. I would be curious to hear from any of you if if you have noticed these things with your own children in in their own activities and in their own daily life. But also, so what what it's it's one thing to diagnose that. What do we do? How do we address it? Um, how do we help kids come back from this? Um, we could call it maybe social emotional, um, if not learning loss, uh, but learning. Um, learning lack <laughs> there, there were times when yeah. they certainly were learning lessons but not the ones that they normally need um or at least that they would normally be learning at a certain time so what is our role as a parent in trying to help make sure that our kids are caught back up what is our own you know i know what the math teachers are going to try to do but it's interesting to think about as a parent what is my uh, plan to help my son uh, make up some of that time as well. So that's something we're thinking about, I think. Um, 
And I'd love to hear from listeners if they have thoughts on that. But uh, Jim, you and I are both pretty big arts advocates. We tend to be in the theater is our thing, but um, right. you especially have done a lot with with many, I think, different arts um, and, and arts advocacy specifically. What are the benefits? Um, you know, participating in sports is ubiquitous and I've had kids who do it. And I, I think it's really good. I think there's some important things that come from it. So I certainly don't want to frame this as like a either or uh, mm-hmm. sports versus the arts kind of thing. Right. But maybe people aren't quite as familiar with some of the benefits of arts education. You started to enumerate and articulate them a few minutes ago. Talk talk to me a little bit more about that. What, what might parents consider? Um, what are some of the important things to understand? Yeah, sure. Well, th- some of the things I've, I've seen and then heard from students and parents is just confidence. Uh, you know, there's some, um, and I, you know, you and I, I mean, I think that'll probably be the first thing anyone in the theater might mention. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of students who are very unsure or um, nervous, anxious, you know, uh, just suddenly uh, over a period of time, be able to get up and uh, command a room, you know, and, and one of the, actually one of the things I do talk about with middle school in particular uh, is that, um, you know, I, I always tell them, I know you guys are a little, you're, you're uncomfortable. It's, it's just the part of your development process and getting up in front of a group of 20 other people uh, to tell a story is probably not at the top of the list. Um, so we'll take the time to do it. You know, we'll 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 ease you into that. And what's nice is that usually by the end they're comfortable enough with each other, uh, and with themselves and that that space to get up and to you know be expressive or be creative in front of a group of people, um, be vulnerable in front of a group of people. I think that that's a, a very big skill too, is to understand that uh, we can uh, maybe dig a little deeper. Um, be more open to new ideas, whether we're generating them ourselves or hearing them from other people. Um, you know, getting to getting into that that uh, that mode of creativity when we can be more vulnerable to the idea of um, it's okay. You know, uh, this is what I'm going to share. Some people might not like it, and that's okay. You know, and I can I can take that and move on. Um, you know, so that idea of of performance and reflection, uh, which thankfully is part of uh, our New Jersey standards for that. I think that's probably new standards across the country for for arts education, um, or at least they're making their way there. Um, you know, so to start to develop some of those uh, th- those tools. Um, the thing that my students often will tell me, because uh, I like to ask them, like, why are you here? What are you What are you doing this for? You know, what What are we getting out of this? Because uh, it's it's odd. It's odd to do this work. It's it takes up a lot of your time. You know, we you could be somewhere else at ten o'clock at night on a tech week. You know, what's what's this about? And it really is about um, being with other people who share similar interests or um, ideas or personalities or even not. Uh, maybe they're, they're people who have different uh, personalities and, and, and beliefs or ideas, and but they can work together and you know, form some kind of a cohesive group. Um, and I, I think all of that, it's just, it's, there's, if, if I had to pick something at the root, it's, it's comfort. You know, there's a comfort to it that allows a child to um, develop their personality or develop, you know, into, to who they're supposed to be or who they could be. I don't know. There are words in there I don't like to use, but um, I, I think I'm, about, I'm kind of dancing around a little bit. Well, we, we talk about voice a lot. In, voice. Oh, great. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I think, uh, I mean, that's a very specific thing for a, a writer, a writer's mm-hmm. voice. I feel like you learn to develop your, well, you physically develop your voice uh, singing or acting, but leaving that aside, the, the larger idea of 
of developing your voice as, as a human and who you are and what you value and what you want to speak about and learning to be confident in that. Right. Yeah. And vo that's, that's really the word. Cause that your voice is you, it's a part of you. Um, you know, you have to, you have to own that, uh, even you know, to, 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 we can, um, in a figurative way, but even, you know, how your actual voice sounds and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's who you are, put it out there and let's find a way to be comfortable. I love that. Yeah. Voice. That's the answer. I sometimes tell people like, Scott, you know, why do I have to take, I teach uh, choir at different grade levels and not everyone is, uh, some of them are in there because that's the, they, they like that option slightly more than the other option they like less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's not laughs> <Right? that> yep. <laughs> I have but, those students too. <laughs> but, but I often say, look, learning how to, in singing and choir, what we do is we learn how to use our voice in reference to other voices. We learn to blend and balance. We don't want you to disappear, but we also don't want you to be dominant all the time. So you're constantly being part of this larger group that's all doing something. Um, but you're ideally, you are aware of, constantly aware of what's going on. And so there's times when you might be, need to be louder and, but other times when perhaps you need to be softer. And so I find that, I, I like that idea as as participation in democracy, learning how to use mm -hmm. your voice, um, but not to be overbearing and um, always having the spotlight on you, listening to others, sometimes, you know, based on what you hear, uh, moderating or modifying the volume, the intensity. I, I think there's a lot of those kinds of things that can be translated into lots of, of I don't know, life lesson-y kinds of things. Um, Absolutely. But it, it all seems to come back to, I think the one thing I love about the arts is when we talk about children doing the arts, we're usually talking about them developing themselves, the, the fullest range of themselves. Yes, they might be learning one skill, but really it tends to affect or impact lots of different areas, cognitive, emotional, social, um, behavior, spiritual, I mean, all kinds of different things with that yeah choir is a great example of that you know it's probably the the ultimate collaboration um with the with the blend too i mean almost i feel like when it really is the most moving for me it's almost like it's one voice of many yeah um right, right? yeah that's yeah that's um and that's not easy that's not easy to to do especially for for youth i mean that's um who still don't are still exploring who they are and how they relate to others so it's a great way to do that i remember one project you did and this again kind of listeners this is the idea of using uh, the theater maybe specifically what we're talking about but there's some larger implications here um so jim directed uh, a production of oklahoma uh, a few years back and mm -hmm. the reason i know about this is because he had some students i think they were seniors but they were basically tasked. He he had you tell the story, Jim. I'm telling the story badly about how you you your publicity strategy was one thing, but then you actually oh. kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, I think there's a really important lesson in there about teens and helping them. So will you share that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, so um, that was the first year. Um, well, it was the first year after COVID. So we were it was our normal year. Um, the year before that, we were still video recording, performing in masks, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was trying to 
really keep things together, um, pushing things forward, keep their program um, out in the public, and 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 a, the, not not just the public outside the school as in an audience, but in front of the students as well, um, so that they knew that they still had that place to go to, um, and that involved doing some of the marketing. And I mean, I I don't know, you know, I know I know some marketing tricks from when I worked at a theater company, but as far as how to um, translate that into something that students would see, I, I really don't know. You know, I I have been on Facebook, I can put things online. I use the app formerly known as Twitter. You know, it's it's one of my, my favorites. Um, but that's it. And I mean, that's not where teenagers are. Um, and uh, I had started to develop a YouTube page um, just because that's it's where we were getting a lot of information during during quarantine and things. Um, but it, just, it was it was I mean, it was my YouTube. It was interesting to me. And uh, it may have actually been my wife who told me, like, well, what did what do the kids think? Like, I, I know what you think. I want to hear from them. Um, so I went to them and said, what do you, you know, what do you want to know? Like, what do you want to put, what do you want people to know? What do your friends want to know? Or if you were on the other side wondering, Hey, what is this program or what, what do you do there? What would you want to tell them? And, uh, you know, so they came up with their ideas and I really just said to them, like, I, why don't you do it? Why don't you put something together and let's, let's see what happens. Um, so they did, and I had a team of uh, three students who um, uh, I think spanned grade levels. I know we had we had a senior in there, and I think the other two were were freshmen or sophomores, maybe. Um, and they they had a whole bunch of ideas. Can, can, what can we can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do that? I said yes, go go for it. And you know, only thing I think that we have to do is let me see what you put together before we put it out there. But otherwise, you feel free. And they came up with um, sort of a behind the scenes um, kind of thing. They Every uh, week for seven weeks of our um, rehearsal and production schedule, they put out a new video um, where they talked about a certain aspect of the show and maybe interviewed a few people who were involved. They did all the editing, put it all together, and then I, I put it out there. And um, we were part of a, a local theater's um, uh, festival so it was a competition for performance but they also had um a special award i think it was just like student student excellence or student award where they looked at uh things that aren't quite covered and i made sure to sneak in the folder of their work and uh, they were nominated for it um i think there were there were 10 students for five awards which they didn't get but they just they loved the fact that it was recognized they enjoyed going to this theater and being a part of it and it was all them you know, it was it was all them and uh, we've been lucky, lucky that it's just, it's generated more from there. You know, they've, they've taken more of that on. It's, it's such a cliche in our field, Jim. And, but it, and again, parents, I'm going to suggest that specifically a theatrical example, but there's a principle here. It is such a cliche in our field to just be constantly saying how surprised I am by what the kids did. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that is just in, in arts education, you hear over and over. I'm, I'm so proud of these kids. They did something I never would have thought. I never would have conceived that, or I never would have pulled it off, blah, blah, blah. These kids are amazing. And I think that's, in my mind, one of the really big uh, blessings or, or benefits of of being involved in the arts in some form. And, and maybe that's being on the stage crew. It doesn't mean you're trying to play the lead. And maybe you're doing the video, uh, mm-hmm. the video, the, the vlogs or something instead. But um, the arts provide a chance for kids to surprise us because I feel like because of the unique structure of the arts, it seems like 
I believe they generally have a little more agency. It's a, it's certainly there's a director, a leader, a teacher, but it's I feel like a little more, it tends to be a bit more um, collaborative in many ways. And therefore it gives these kids, it provides both structure, but it also provides freedom. And right. often they really take those two um you know, sometimes we see those as being oppositional, but they take that structure and then that freedom and then they fly with it in really remarkable ways, but that happen all the time. Right. Well, and that's um, two things that makes me think of. One is uh, I, I think a lot of times we'll look at art as almost the ultimate freedom. Like there's there's very little structure. It's all freedom or all expression. Um, there was uh, when I ran the playwriting uh, festival many years ago, I received a very lengthy, very angry email from a high school student who did not like any of the requirements that we had about the plays, number of characters, things, page numbers. And I remember one line was, how can you possibly expect me to be creative with all these restrictions? And the response was simply to say, well, creativity is working within restrictions. It's That's the whole goal. You know, the restrictions are there because we have things that we need to do. And um, this helps us maintain the program. And it gives you a challenge of working, you know, within those, those certain guidelines. Um, I do think though, that uh, to be able to, 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 you do have a structure to, you know, to, to limit maybe what goes on or you know, a lot of different reasons to, to have that, the, the, the structure or limitations, but um, you know, you also do need to have someone in place who is able to um, provide that kind of freedom you know so you mentioned you have a principal i i'm i'm very lucky that the, the school district i'm in is very open to um you know they they want the the students in these programs to have that kind of freedom to be expressive and to learn from that um you know that uh that experience and um you know it's i find that it's it's been a, a lot to learn to back away um, to, to put that trust in the students, but that's, that's when they come through the most. Um, it's great to see. And it is surprising because, you know, you, you don't often get to see that happen in a math class or in, you know, an English class. There's a lot of structure involved there. Um, but no that, freedom. <laughs> but no, well, yeah, I mean, right. That's, that's the cliche anyway, right? So finding a voice, developing confidence, gaining empathy, um, learning to be creative while still being accountable to others, um, learning how to be vulnerable in front of a yeah. group of people, um, learning how to take an idea, a thought, a vision, and give it some kind of form in some media, some some kind of um, communication of that. These are all benefits of of being engaged in in arts and some kind of arts education. These are all things I think most people want their children to be able to have. Right. So the point isn't trying to become the best uh, ballet dancer, best singer, best actor, best playwright. It's about the experience of being involved in these arts and what they help a child unlock and and help motivate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think too uh, one one of the things that that drew me most to educational theater as opposed to going into any kind of performance or um you know any, any any production realm is the fact too that it does um, allow those things but it's also um a place where a, a person a child in this case can um take a risk in a safe environment um just if you just think about playing a character you're getting all the life experiences from that character without 
very much um, of the of the you know you're not you're suffering the consequences of the risk involved. So you can still have that learning experience and then take that into your own life later. Um, you know, being vulnerable in this group, if if we create the safe environment for them. You know, you, you're going to get the same thing there too. So it's, it's a big draw. It, it's a big appeal for me. And I think that that's really why um, children benefit from an arts program. So Jim, one topic I wanted to talk with you about is uh, a little, it's kind of a fun piece in the New York times. It's, I wouldn't call it a deeply reported study, but it is kind of a fun anecdotal piece. Uh, the, the title is called grown up theater kids run the world. Uh, and now I say that, and I am a grown-up theater kid, and I am very much running my own theater program, but not the world. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and uh, like, like you, I su suspect, but it it mentions some some prominent people who who did theater in high school. For example, uh, the governor of New Jersey, uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. And then some other various people, uh, I think that are a little more, more or less um, significant or well known. Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. There, there's a pretty, pretty big name. Um, but yeah. it, it, it makes a point really that being in theater, in in you know in your younger years, uh, leads to the acquisition of like skills and habits of mind and helps train you in ways that become um, pr uh, not profitable, but um, but provides useful skills for, for a variety of different pathways in life. Um, sure. I'm curious what you what you thought when you read that article. Yeah, I mean, I don't I certainly d didn't find much to disagree with um, and uh, kind of kind of fun to see who's some of these people were. I, I did not know that the uh, Prime Minister of Canada had been involved in theater, uh, let alone not theater, uh, in high, high school, uh, which is interesting. Um, so, since just through it, knowing we were going to talk about it, uh, but uh, it mentions, you know, uh, many former theater kids describe a pipeline from the extracurricular activity to certain professions, tourism, radio, law, public relations, politics. Um, I think most people, especially the ones we mentioned, seem to go from into politics. Um, it, it reminds me of a story too. I uh, in my middle school class, you know, I, I do get a lot of students who are um, dropped into elective, uh, who who don't choose it, who don't um, necessarily choose to stay, even though they do. Um, and at one particular time, uh, covering different theater spaces. So proscenium's thrust stage, all that kind of stuff. And this kid just flat out said, why do I need to know this? You know, the everyone's favorite question to ask. And I, so I stopped and said, do you, do you don't, you don't feel this is uh relative to your future? And he told me no. And so we explored it. Said, what do you, what do you want to do? He said, well, I want to go into law. I want to be a, a attorney. I said, okay. So let's let's think about how this can be used um you know to your advantage you said let, let alone all the the acting and presenting things we're talking about speech body language all that stuff uh, obviously that can connect and he agreed and i said but um let's how, do you know how a courtroom is set up and and he said he, a couple other friends said yeah yeah you know my dad's a lawyer my was an attorney you know whatever and uh, we set up the classroom to look like a courtroom as anderson so if you're here and you have to talk to the judge, but relate to um, 
the uh, you know the witness or whatever information you're giving or you know and who the jury decides it so they're your audience you know there's a certain way this room is set up uh, you make sure that the things you want the jury to know are directed to them or that they can see it or that they can hear it um, you know and that's uh, a split that we develop actors it's something we think about when we're creating things on stage and um uh, you know i don't i don't know that uh it's something that goes to the forefront of the conversation a lot of times it's just the creativity and imagination and public speaking and all that stuff and i don't cast that off that's that's very important um but that's that's that tends to be how the performing arts you know education gets looked at those are the, the things that keep our programs around in schools um you know but it does go much deeper and and um that idea too of relating to one another i think is good so it makes a lot of sense to me certain professions um there's always an audience involved and um different ways of relating to them even just you know journalism and, and radio um television all that kind of stuff um that's that's the thing that really stuck out to me what what did you uh see in there that, that kind of out curious about that well, I was struck by one of the things that I hadn't really thought of is that in this era of Zoom meetings, for example, mm. um, that that people have found their theater training useful because staring at a blank screen <laughs> <laughs> and maybe getting no response from your your uh, interlocutors. <laughs> but right, I, uh -huh. <laughs> that hadn't really occurred to me. I have noticed though that, and I just kind of took this for granted. I have a lot of anxieties and a lot of insecurities, but I have absolutely no problem speaking in front of a, a large group. And that, that's been a really mm -hmm. useful thing to me in, in my profession. It's been useful in, in other endeavors as well outside of my profession. Um, and I sure. sort of took that for granted. Um, and I realized that a lot of people really are scared of speaking in public or, or if they're not yeah. scared that it's it's a hard, it still is a hard thing to do and it takes a lot of energy. So I have found that it's just enor enormously freeing. I don't ever have to worry about that. So um, I wouldn't say make your kid do theater just so you'll be a good, a good speaker, a good public speaker. But I do feel like having the ability to speak comfortably in front of people um, is is a useful really useful skill um, and that that's translated to sure. job interviews and all, all kinds of other things but i think even more importantly for me and maybe this is because of what i do but the uh, the piece talks a little bit about this but um, oftentimes by participating in theater and i'd be interested to hear from a playwright's perspective as well we become mm -hmm. able to be empathetic because acting is yeah learning to um, inhabit another person for a little while and understanding what they want, what they're trying to do, understanding why they are the way they are, and then um, being able to credibly present this to an audience requires deep empathy. Um, likewise, you have to be empathetic to the other actors during the course of the play, I mean, on stage, right. but I believe that empathy translates offstage and I think learning how to think like another person, or at least learning how another person thinks, and really being mm -hmm. able to live with that for a while, I think that's a pretty helpful skill when it comes to a whole array of relationships in general in life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would tie into the, what you just too. there's another spot uh, where it references a, a study of New York City school children by the New Victory Theater, um, where uh, just students who participated were more creative and hopeful um, than, than peers who did not. And I think the idea of hopeful um, yes. I would, goes hand in hand with empathy, right? It's there's um, uh, it, it's easy to be fatalistic, I think, with, with a lot that goes on in the world, but um, having that hope and then I think the empathy ties into it. The more we understand others and um, or uh, at least can be open to understanding or considering others' uh, motives and opinions and things like we would with characters. I think there's that's that is very powerful. Um, it's uh, I forget, uh, I'm thinking of it. There was a there's an actor I don't know who it is uh, who once said that uh, you know, for them uh, it, playing the villains is always the most interesting because they have to find the humanity you know inside them there's 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 a reason why they're doing that um, I just uh, been on a big uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, Oscar Hammerstein kick you know as far as how the the two of them connect and, and the the mentorship between the two and there was an interview that that uh, was being done with Stephen Sondheim and he was talking about the first questions he asks as a um a lyric writer is to, to you know the the basic questions we we ask as an actor who is this person what do they want what are they willing to do to get there um what are the circumstances that are around them you know basic uh basic play building basic character analysis um and i think uh when we're able to stop and think of those things. Um, I, I found that I've done. There are people who I don't. I'm, why in the world is 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 this person doing this or seeing this? Um, there've been certainly been times just things that are going in the world hey or things this that go on in, in a school or in the classroom so where I need to stop to a minute and say that it makes me a better, I just want a better to know teacher. I hope it makes me a better through, person. There were some you know, having that kind of empathy. I love that. So I love that you said that. a little bit of crackling with the you know, guests, one of the, you Mike. Just, that, um, you triggered this thought when you mentioned the Sondheim-Hammerstein connection. For those listening who may not know, Oscar Hammerstein, who was the lyricist behind Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, The King and I, um south pacific several other kind of real big uh kind of mid mid uh, 20th century plays was the the mentor and the teacher uh teacher i can't talk for the uh famous more more recent composer stephen sondheim who who died not long ago who who was a much uh who brought theater into kind of a new era and had a, a much different approach and a much um i don't know edgier uh content and things like that but it's an interesting bit of continuity because you wouldn't normally match there if you just saw their work you wouldn't really see that there was a connection but but uh hammerstein mentored uh sondheim uh almost was a second father to him really in some ways yeah um yeah and it's then the reason i get drawn to that too just for providing the context is um studying young playwrights work um Stephen Sondheim had uh, founded young playwrights uh, program in the United States in the early 80s um I he never says but I think it's largely in part to the mentorship he received from Hammerstein and um not only the the direct connection between the two of them and the parallels between the development of, of musical theater but um the influence that then Stephen Sondheim had uh, mentoring people directly or opening up, you know, these young playwrights programs. It's, it's really been, uh, I, I think we owe a lot of what modern theater is today to the, that connection, that mentorship going back. So.
that's I, what's in my mind right now to do a lot of research on that right now you have you have been doing a lot lately um it, it occurs to me that theater is really a phenomenal system of mentorship as i think about it um yeah yeah i don't th- I, I think what occurs to me is i don't think while it was kind of a special relationship those two had theater is kind of set up in a way that it it almost inherently will create systems of mentorship uh there's so much to be done during a play for example that almost anyone who wants to do more and get involved in some way can there's there's so much work to to go around there's also lots of entry-level things you can do um for me one of the most transformative relationships in my life was my high school theater teacher who was wise enough not to cast me in the lead that I really wanted <laughs> because there was some of better, um, but opened up uh, to me and allowed me to be her assistant director. And so I learned how to design scenery. She taught me, we spent hours painting scenery together. Uh, she taught me how to create, this was back in the days when you still made flats out of muslin and and wood and put glue on it to make the muslin tight (laughs) we spent hours going to local theaters and renting costumes she had me um uh, choreograph and work with some of the vocals especially we were doing guys and dolls um some of the 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 male vocals in that that was a transformative experience to me and i literally draw on that every day pretty much in my professional life now but more than yeah. the specific theater skills, though, while we were working together, we were talking and she was teaching me about life. And she there's a lot of things she just she opened up to me. One of the yeah. most enjoyable and meaningful jobs I do, I feel like now is mentoring. Um, and there's always someone who wants just they just sort of stand out. They're there at every rehearsal, even if they don't have to be. And they they just they want to do they want to do stuff they want to be there they want to be in it, and um, I I have found that theater really opens itself well to that again partly because there's a lot of entry level positions available so you don't have to know much to start with I don't know if you have a right. response to that or if you've seen anything like that. well I think you know my uh, entry into theater is is very much the same I'm at a high school you know theater teacher who was. Uh, very important to me and um, still remains that way. I've had it at every, every level when we, we share a mentor too with, in, in graduate school, you know, that, um, and it, it, it does. And, and what uh, really has been um, uh, eye opening for me and, and, and I think the most important part of the work for me uh, teaching middle school and, and high school more than anything else is to um, provide, I did an environment where um, students can uh, try to think of how to say this, but I, I have a couple of, of, of students who uh, have um, uh, discovered talents in themselves um, through art, not necessarily through theater art. Um, one in particular who is uh, uh, really deeply involved in visual art. And um, I just recently, uh, we were trying to figure out our merchandise for the the, the theater group, like what, what was the, the swag going to be? And she 
came up with a couple designs. I said, I, I had no clue that you did um, any kind of fashion design or could draw that way. And it became a conversation and she's, um, she's designing costumes for our, our season this year. Oh, so, you know, you know, and having that kind of um, opportunity to, you know, step into that role and, and, um, you know, learn in the environment. And then, um, you know, we're, we're talking back and forth. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously treating her like a, a junior in high school, but uh, who's doing this for the first time, but also discussing with her some my feedback, you know, why I don't like, um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to produce uh, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. So, and I, I have a very, very big aversion to um, humans and animal costumes. Like we can, we can, uh, I, I just don't, I don't know. There's something about it. Like I don't, uh, cats is, is really difficult for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, and not it just because I can't, I can't do it. Um, so you're discussing a lot of the animal characters in Narnia. I, I, I explained to her, like, I just, I just can't see it. I don't think an audience really connects with it. I think it plays against their imagination. So discussing with her just kind of how I approach it and she would do the designs. We would talk about them. I would, I would critique them, give her the, the feedback and we'd go back and forth. And I just think that that, that collaboration and that kind of uh, mentorship is a um, opportunity that, uh, I, I, where else you get that? Um, especially as a teenager um, in the classroom. And like you said, it's, it's uh, the art form itself. There's so many different elements that go into a production. Um, you have to work with other people. Um, and, and to that, I think a great example, I just took, uh, we, we just took a trip into New York uh, earlier this week. And um, my wife took our daughter uh, one place and I took my two boys to the Museum of Broadway, which had just opened earlier this year. Um, and not only was it great to nerd out on all the, the theater history that you go through, but the, the final um, display is uh, you go through a stage door and go down steps like you're going into backstage takes you through all the different elements of production and just wow. to see the different steps of it and uh the the people who talk on the screens are talking about the way they collaborate with each other um and the very last thing you see before you leave the museum is a um kind of a, an animated time of how a, a show gets produced and the arrows connecting all the different parts are just going everywhere so it's just it's a great visual example um, with a lot of quotes that, that talk directly to that idea of, you know, I have to talk to this person or meet with this person or um, I work with this person. And it, it, I think it is very easy um, for someone who's uh, new to the experience, like a student, to walk in and say, I think this looks interesting. Can you show me how to do it? Um, you're doing the work, too. So they can step right in and, and do it right there with you. I love what you said. That there's This is uh, one of the there's not that many paths to mentorship available in high school um, yeah. or in my case, even middle school, but this is really one of them. Um, I, I, one of the things I, I don't know what the right word is. I enjoy most or am proudest of is that, um, and I don't think I'm that unique in this. I'm not bragging about me. This is something that I think a lot of people do, but when the show starts, um, I've got these big productions with 150, 200 kids in it. And um, once that show starts, it's it's all the kids. There's a stage manager backstage who is a middle school child who is calling all the cues, you know, when the lights come on, when this special effect happens. Um, those lights then are turned on by other students on the light board and the sound board. Um, so it's not just acting. It's someone, there's someone backstage organizing this. There's always someone who's yeah. really pretty good at dance and inevitably someone will come up to me and say, hey, I have an idea for the choreography. Could we do this, 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 and this? Um, 
so just it is it's kind of like a a mentorship machine almost um with yeah. all these really great opportunities and i i again I, I there might be other things or places in high school where that can happen but i can't think of many where you can become really one of the crew i i rely on my you know my choreographers and stage managers really like they're part of the adult um staff in terms of they're, they're really right. doing ge like genuine real work in the sense that no one else is doing it for them and if they don't do it it won't get done so they have yeah. real responsibility um and that is a pretty magical thing i think that that just happens um socially i think too i, I this is a yes. bit that we could you know I, there's going to be exceptions but i think on the whole theater kids tend to be pretty accepting of a wide range of personalities you can um you can be probably accepted pretty well in the theater um no matter who you are and what you like to do e even if you're a little quirky or even if you're not that quirky <laughs> right <laughs> but it, it seems like a place where a lot of different types of people can work together pretty comfortably yeah and i, I uh, also find it um from my own experience but even especially with, with teenagers that um you know if uh, if there isn't a, a level of acceptance um it, it's a it's a ready platform or a ready environment to discuss it right. um certainly have, have mediated a few of those you know recently and it's um you know, it's it's interesting to, uh, to 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 walk with those kids through that uh, kind of process. Um, I, I don't want to use the word conflict, um, but, you know, but it, but it it gets mediated pretty well um, with uh, students who've had that kind of opportunity. And I, I also try to when I'm um, working with the middle school students in particular, but um, high school as well, to remind them that you know we're not just you're performing and being expressive and um, you know all of that for ourselves. It's certainly part of it, but there's an audience that also needs to see it. Um, so that idea too, that we're communicating back and forth with this, this living, breathing group of individuals um, who are all gonna see what we're doing in their own different, you know, different through their own different lens and with their own experiences and everything else. Um, I think that that realization, you know, lends itself very well too to, to that kind of a social interaction. And I, I don't know where else you get that. I, I, you just triggered another thought. The idea of being accountable to the audience is something I talk about yes. with my students. Um, a lot of time, you know, on opening night, I have a fairly standard speech. Um, and it, part of it is to say, okay, it's been fun. We've worked hard, but really now it's not about us. For the next yeah. two hours, we have a responsibility to the audience. They're the only reason we're here. And so we are obligated ethically to give them the best show we possibly can. So right. we're going to work hard to not be giddy and silly. We don't want to make sloppy mistakes. We've got to give the audience what they're expecting. And it's when I give that speech, it's interesting. I start to see eyes. Some people have heard this speech several times by the time they, they graduate, <laughs> which is the point, like it sticks. Yep. But um, I will sometimes see someone just kind of like, um you, you, that look they get when they're, they've thought about something for the first time because of course yeah. in middle school, kids are egocentric there's nothing wrong with that that's that's how they are um but i do think theater helps pull us out of that it can help us think about being responsible to other people and accountable to other people we're not just yeah. out there being you know kind of the contrary of the the stereotype it's not just about being a diva basically
Yeah, right. And, when, and I think divas have a, a hard time, you know, really working within that environment. So if when you when you can establish a a, a program that uh, is as accepting and works that way and has that as its its uh, goal, you you tend to. We don't get a lot of divas. I, I don't I don't tend to get a lot of them because we're we're working together to do things that way. I'm sure, you know, you you, you have the sim similar approach. Um, what I also like to do about with the accountability is the fact that there's um. I'll call it a due date because you know, we are talking about school too. You know, every every assignment does have a due date, but with this, like you said, there's there's an audience and they're expecting something, and um, we have to have all of these different elements complete to give them what they're expecting. But then, what's also fun is at the same time, it it is what it is. You know, it's if we weren't able to do something or get something we wanted, I mean, that, that always happens. There's a way we want to make, uh, I'm sure we just did Adam's family last year. I'm sure there were technical things we wanted to do that we just couldn't. So we did the best that we could and, and that was okay. You know, it, it didn't, um, doesn't detract from what you're doing. It just becomes part of what it is and um, learning how to accept that we've done the best we can with whatever, what we have at this particular moment for these certain people um, is is a moment too where I, I find a lot of students uh, you know, have that moment of they understand okay all right great so let's just let's go let's go put on a show and um, and they survive it and everything's okay and we we do it again. Someone even mentioned that in that New York Times piece actually you, you just reminded me of that the the ability to roll with things when things go yeah. wrong and and there's there's two ways I mean you're talking about something that we we tried to do and I always joke that. You know what what the play looks like in my head in August, and what it really looks like what it really is in in October are very different things. But um, right. so there's there's the things we just we would have done if we could, but whatever time, money, skill, whatever we couldn't. But then also the fact that inevitably because all of these pieces are working together, that all of the stuff you mentioned a few minutes ago are all working together. There's so right. many chances for things to go wrong, and inevitably during a performance you know, all kinds of stuff goes wrong. Um, maybe, maybe it's seen by the audience. Often it's not, but you really have to roll with it. What happens yeah. when your microphone falls off of your waistband, and, you know, suddenly <laughs> you're, I've seen so many kids yes. handle, handle beautifully. I, we were doing the Wizard of Oz once and the, uh, the lion's microphone fell down, but because it was like a onesie, Sorry, it was a lot. It was a person in an animal costume, Jim. But um, that's okay. It's sometimes you have to do it. <laughs> it fell down into his paw, like the the paw where his foot was, and I remember just thinking, "Oh no!" And just watching him, he he didn't even he just he didn't even break a sweat. He just started kind of improvising. I think he pretended someone had stepped on his toe, or he was scared of something. <laughs> I forget the details, but he just he reached down in. And the fun part was that the audience saw what had happened. And so they yeah. were completely with him. Um, and so it was when he finally got it fixed, everyone started cheering. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. That ability to work through problems in good humor and not letting it throw you, um, I think, is is pretty potent stuff, too. For a kid. Absolutely. Well, and that's and that's great, too, that that that, that, that story ends with the applause, because I think think that um what well, i know that um teenagers don't that's not what they're expecting to happen often oftentimes that is the audience they're with you um and you know one of the things i, I love to do in middle school is when the a new class comes in the first performance project they do is a, a one slide presentation about themselves because they tell them like the 
you've done a presentation before, you know who you are, so we get all that out of the way. But then I don't give them a lot of um, a lot of info about how the presentation is going to go or time to even practice it. Um, part of that is that to emphasize that like they need to practice on their own, but also so that when they get up and they're not quite sure how to work my computer, um, which is actually set up backward. So when the uh, the desk screen transfers to the projection screen, it's um, projection screens to the left, desktop to the right, but the way they're linked is backwards. Um, so they have to kind of fiddle around and it doesn't quite work, but then they're helping each other out that um, we're laughing about it. We make jokes about it. People applaud when it works. It's the same kind of thing. And um, in the end, I'm able to tell them you got up here, you did all the things that you were frightened about and things went wrong and you still survived and you're okay. So the next time it's, it's going to, you, you're going to, you're going to know, you're going to know that and it's going to feel a little bit different and, and uh, feel a little bit easier for you. And um, nothing's going to go the way you plan it in life. So it's a great, great thing to practice um, at 12, 13. It, it really is. It really is. Um, so, you know, I, um, I don't want to just be, oh, I don't know uh, what the right word is, biased, because theater is what I do. It's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess if people are listening, I hope you can maybe see that there's so many different opportunities for people. There's a lot of ways to participate in theater. Um, a lot of benefits for kids doing it. I always tell people like if their child is having a hard time socially, like try to find the yes. people, find the theater people, and and then they'll say, oh, but he doesn't ever want to act or she doesn't like to be on stage. But like, that's fine. See if they need help running the lights. See if there's always something backstage. They need someone to help with props and costumes. There's just there's so many things to do and so many ways to be involved, and it is such a all hands on deck thing. That it really, I, I do think there's a lot of um, opening for people. So, absolutely, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you about this. Is um, of course, as theater people, we value theater inherently, intrinsically, but it it can be a really powerful vehicle for a lot of a lot of wonderful things. Not least the the intense social connections that happen yes. during a performance during um, a class or something like that. And I think that's another really powerful thing. It's those bonds become just so tight. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it's, um, you know, these are examples too. I, I, I know back to school night or opening day of a class uh, for middle school in particular, um, I'll often tell students and parents, you know, even though theater is the title, it's real, and, and we will learn theater in this room. It's really not the goal of this class. You know, the goal is, is all the things you just mentioned, you know, the, the, the connections and the, uh, we could come up with a list, you know, but I think we've talked about a lot of that through our conversation too. Sure. Like, I guess we could say maybe theater is the infrastructure of or the superstructure, the scaffold upon which uh, all these other things hang these, these other benefits. Yeah. We, we know most of these kids are not going to go on to become professional performers. Maybe some of them will do something, you know, in college or, um, in my case, high school or, or in community theaters, but yeah, it's really, it's about relationships, the mentorship, the confidence, the learning to roll with things, um, being able to face a crisis and go on being accountable to others for the things you say. There's just so many of these other things. Um, so I, I was going to ask you one of the other things that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. about that article was just hearing all the parts everyone had been, um, (laughs) uh, I think, yeah, uh, 
I'm trying to, I don't remember all of them, but um, so I believe I know one of your favorite parts, but I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. You played Elwood P. Dowd, and it wasn't actually in high school. I think it was in college. Is that right? Uh, yes. No. Yeah, I did. I played uh, I played Elwood in college. Yeah, it was the last role I think I played in college. That's wonderful. So I, uh, my, my favorite was I played Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. Yeah. And that was the, the, just the role of a lifetime. It was so much fun. And uh, I, I still treasure that, that memory. So, um, so listeners, if you're out there, I would love to hear from you. If you did high school theater or middle school theater, if you did theater of any kind, tell me what roles you played. And I'd love to hear if you, um, any lessons that you remembered or things that you appreciate or things you realize it was, was beneficial. I do think we live in kind of a wonderful time. When I was a kid, there just wasn't a whole lot of theater around. I mean, right. outside of um, schools, but I feel like just almost everywhere I've lived since then has had, I feel like the, the birth of like community theater groups, there's been just, they've multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. There's so many more opportunities um, for, for young and old alike, which I think is really absolutely there ever were when I was a kid. So, um, so anyway, listeners, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what your favorite theater experiences were, if you've had them or if you saw your child have them. Um, I, I, I think I'll just close on this note. One of the, the things I've kept over the years, Jim, we did Aladdin and, um, I had a student who was really talented kid and she came up to me and she said, would you consider letting the genie be a girl? And no, and I, I didn't. I, so the reason I know this is her mom is a actually really good, uh, talented, high profile author who wrote mm-hmm. this up for my benefit after the fact. So I remember, <laughs> but apparently the, the, my response to her was, I think the question is, can this girl be the genie? And that right. apparently motivated her. And she just, she nailed this part. But um, on closing night, my, this, uh, the parent of this uh, student sent me a picture that she'd posted on Instagram. It was of her child soaring, you know, 20 feet above the stage. She was flying at the end of friend like me. And she had just put a little caption on it that said, my child is flying. Um, at the end, she wrote me this lovely note about how this this production had given her wings and theater program had mm-hmm. given her wings and helped her fly. So I like to, I keep that image with me and I always look at it after really bad rehearsals or uh, depressing moments or, or whatever. So if you want your child to find their wings and soar, I think you could probably do a lot worse than looking around for a, a theatrical opportunity on or off stage uh, in the lights or uh, backstage helping the magic happen. So. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great story. Well, Dr. James DeVivo, thank you for carving some time out with me today. It's always a pleasure. Wonderful to see you again after me these too. years. And, uh appreciate all the good work you're doing and uh the wonderful things you do for kids always thank you thank you i, I really appreciate the I, it's great to see you again i, mean, I always I always love being able to talk to you but I, I really um uh very pleased to be able to talk to you in this forum thank you in the words of our late mentor indeed indeed <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. I hope that some of this has sparked some thoughts about ways you can help your child develop as a person. Um, we are talking about arts education as one way to do that, but the goal, of course, is helping our children maximize uh, their development and their ability to more fully be themselves in every context and in every place. Thanks again for tuning in. And if I can ask a favor, I would love and appreciate um, any ratings you can give on the uh, Apple um, podcast uh, app, especially, but on wherever you get your podcast, if you can leave, take a moment, leave a rating, hopefully a glowing one, um, but uh, appreciate your time. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all later. Until then, happy parenting. You've got this. Thank you.